on Sunday, I preached on Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42. And I believe the Lord would have us examine the same passage again today. And so let's look at Acts 2, verses 41 and 42. And if we can, I'd like to read both of these together out loud with all of us here uh, tonight. We're going to read verse 41 and 42 of the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. Acts 2, 41, ready, begin. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Let's pray again, shall we? Lord God, I don't have a message today, but you do, and so we trust you. I pray that you would speak to us, that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you'd fill our listeners with the Holy Spirit as we learn today about you and your doctrine and your truth. And I pray that you would teach us and lead us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take the word of God and turn to 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. As we consider the church of the living God, just kind of an addendum to Sunday's message, I want you to consider one word, and we just read about it, and that is the word doctrine, doctrine. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. Actually, I'll read verse 8, 2 Timothy 3, verse 8. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And this is Paul now writing to Timothy, his protege. He invested so much into this young man. And here's what he says in verse 10. Timothy, I have told you a lot. Here's what I've told you, Timothy. Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Look at verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a guarantee. Hey, you're going to go through some hard times. We just read in those missionary letters about some people going through some hard times. Look at that next verse, verse 13. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. As I notice verse 13, I see that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, worse, but we know that the power of God does not wax less and less. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. And if we say that we believe in this God of greater things, then pray tell me why we live in a day of lesser expectations. God wants to do something great in 2023. And so we need to trust him. We need to trust him. Hey, I just want to encourage you today about uh, the verses we just read. Uh, just to set a little bit of the background here, uh, we know um, from verse number eight that there were some individuals na- by the names of Janus and Jambres. Janus and Jambres, they withstood Moses. They withstood a Bible preacher, or should I say, a truth preacher, and um, they resisted the truth. These were men with corrupt minds. Uh, they were backwards. Uh, they did not want to trust God's word. In verse nine, it says, they shall proceed no further. Their foolishness would made obvious to everybody, and, um, but Paul, he says, hey, listen, you have fully known my doctrine. You've known my manner of life. You've known how I lived. I lived a godly example before you, and what I believe is that Paul could not have written that if he was not the real deal. Thou hast fully known. It was obvious to you. You could see that I was living a life that was... Uh, just, just consistent uh, with the word of God. My manner of life, my purpose, my drive in getting the gospel uh, to the world uh, was very obvious. Hey, I exemplified faith, faith in Jesus, faith in the Lord. I had long suffering. I had love. I had charity. I had patience. Only a spirit-filled man could say all that in a humble way, in a, in a way of humility, and really mean it. And he said, Timothy, I taught you all this. I taught you to model your life after Christ so that when people look at you, they don't see Timothy. They see the Christ of Timothy. They see the Jesus that Timothy is following. Let's turn to Proverbs 4. I want to continue parking on this issue of doctrine and the truth. And uh, If I can define the word doctrine for you, doctrine is simply, uh, as defined by Webster, a set of beliefs, a set of beliefs. Uh, There's good doctrine and there's bad doctrine, as we'll find out. Uh, But good doctrine is the sort of doctrine uh, that the early church continued in in Acts chapter number 2. It was good doctrine. Look at uh, Proverbs 4, verses uh, 1 and 2. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. The wisest man in the world, Solomon, writing to his son Rehoboam, hey, I give you good doctrine. Son, you can trust me. Forsake ye not my law. I give you good doctrine. Hey, there's a great danger in our world today. It's the Athenian age, just like uh, Acts chapter number 17, like Mars Hill. Uh, People always have this desire to hear or to tell some new thing. Um, And uh, on on the other hand, you got some people who always want to talk about the good old days. And we got to have a balance here. Um, how many of you remember the good old days, right? You know, maybe things uh, before COVID, before everyone was sick, right? Um, uh, we, we, we can't be equally stuck on how it used to be in the good old days because uh, we need to understand that we should not let history rob us of reality. 
hey, I'm grateful for uh, our Christian heritage. I'm grateful for bygone er er eras of revival. But let me remind you of something. Our God is not a past tense God. He is a present tense God. His name is not I was. His name is I am that I am, which means the God who was is and the God who has can and the God that worked in bygone eras and generations is at work at this present hour. And if you're breathing this evening and Jesus has not yet returned, the Lord is not finished with you. Disappointments are his appointments. We consider the past and don't let curiosity uh, about the revivals of the past rob you of your own, okay? God wants to do something today. But sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes uh, we get uh, disappointed. And, and we talk about what used to be as if God is unable to do the same thing today. The same things still work, and the same God is still at work in this generation. And the reason uh, we are gathered here as a church is to examine the scriptures, to examine doctrine, to examine the truth of the word of God, uh, the mind the same thing. That's what the early believers did. And um, you got the new things crowd always chasing the next fad. And you got the old, uh, the old head group just stuck in the past. Uh, let me just uh, encourage all of us today. God's word is not new and God's word is not old. God's word is eternal. It's perennially fresh. And uh, we, we can anchor ourselves in the truth that sustained the old days while understanding that the Bible is more relevant than today's newspaper because it does not originate with man, it really uh, comes from an almighty God. We don't need some new idea. We need the same things, and we find them in Jesus and his word forever settled in heaven. Uh, and so uh, focus in on that, that good doctrine, good doctrine. Uh, turn to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. I hope you don't mind skipping around here in Scripture. But I believe that God has good doctrine for us, and that's why we meet in church today, to hear from God. Not to hear from a man, uh, but to hear uh, from what the Lord has for us. Philippians 1 verse 30 reads, Having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. And so Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, hey, we're in a conflict, and we have the same conflict. We have the same God, we have the same goal, we have the same conflict, and we have a war that we're in. In, in verse uh, 2 of chapter 2, um, it says same love. We have the same love as Christians, as a church. In the midst of war, uh, there's love. And so how do you get all these like-minded people uh, to agree together, even in the same building? They must have the same love. They must be captured by Calvary, consumed by the cross, and eyes off their cells and eyes off of man. All eyes must be on Jesus. In, in Philippians 2, verse 18, they have the same cause. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 2, they have the same mind. Seems like we got a pattern here. Same, 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 same. Uh, what did he preach on today uh, when you leave this service? You, you can say, hey, Brother Kevin just preached on the same thing, the same thing. And that same thing is good doctrine. We all must be brought back to what matters for eternity. And what matters is the same things. There's a way to grow without drifting. And so we must all be anchored in things that do not change. The same things are safe things. 
And we want uh, our friends, we want our family, we want our children to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, we, it's not something uh, we work up, this joy that Jesus gives us. It's something that God puts in. It's joy that's rooted in the Lord. Let's rejoice in the Lord and who God is and who we are in the Lord, okay? We shouldn't uh, be concerned about how many people we had in church uh, last week because that's up and down. We need to stop keeping score because God keeps the record on high. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, uh, we read about the church of the living God. Um, it, it's written here, uh, If I tarry long, uh, this is Paul writing, uh, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so we understand that Anchor Baptist Church is a local church, which means we are a group of professing believers in Jesus Christ who meet in some particular location on a regular basis. And for us, this happens to be uh, Wedgwood Street right here. And um, the body of Christ is something a little bit different. The body of Christ is also re referred to as the church. And the body of Christ is made up of all believers in Jesus Christ worldwide. Are you tracking with me here? All believers in Jesus Christ worldwide are also known as the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, Christ is the head of the body, the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so we observe that 1 Timothy uh, 3.15 is describing the body of Christ, uh, the church as a possession and an institution belonging uh, to the living God. The living God. I am that I am. God is living. His name is I am that I am. He can still uh, work. I talked about uh, disappointment uh, uh, being God's appointments, and uh, I can see sometimes, and you can see sometimes, many people who are disappointed. Uh, maybe they want to move. Maybe they want a new job. Maybe they want to go to a new college. Is there anybody who will claim a Romans 8.28 and say that God has a reason for this, and his appointments, uh, or his, uh, our disappointments are his appointments. God has goals even in our trials, and we can mind the same thing. We can abide in the doctrine and abide in his presence, knowing that, hey, I might not have a lot in common with Brianna Turner. I might not have a lot in common with Grace Kim or Mehdi Kazemi. I, I might not have a lot in common uh, with Miss Melina Jung, but I can tell you today uh, for sure uh, that, hey, we have one thing in common, and one person in common, I should say, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's why we meet in church, uh, because uh, of the doctrine. And if I can explain a little bit uh, of what I believe is the most important part of our doctrine is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And so uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you had any questions about what the gospel uh, is, it's all found in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I'm going to tell you the gospel right now. If you don't know the gospel, let me tell you what it is. Uh, this is the gospel which I preach to you, which you all received, Corinth, the ancient Las Vegas, Sin City. Here's what, here's what I told you. You've received this. You're standing in the gospel by which ye are also saved. Keep in memory what I preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. After that, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. The last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Hey, the gospel is the death, it's the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. And if you're not sure uh, how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven, uh, the Bible says in 1 John 5, these things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. And as I look across this congregation today, I know the personal testimony of many, if not most, or all, of everybody here. Some of you grew up in a Christian home, and we understand that uh, someone growing up in a Christian home does not uh, make someone a Christian any more than uh, being at McDonald's makes you a hamburger or uh, being in a garage makes you a car. Look, being, where, being in church doesn't make you a Christian, okay? A prayer doesn't make you a Christian. Only Jesus Christ can save a soul. And so we come to him, and we ask him in faith. And what happens is, as we grow, grow in our Christian walk, we forget how we came to Christ in the first place and how he changed everything. And we'll walk away from Christ trying to do everything in our own power and manufacture success and manufacture revival and do things on our own. When it says in John 15, uh, Jesus himself said, without me, you can do nothing. In him, we have our breath and our, our, our form, and we live because of the Lord. And so uh, when we try to do this Christian life on, uh, on our own and by ourselves, it's no wonder we fall flat on our faces. It's no, no wonder we, we're so everlasting frustrated with ourselves because we're trying to manufacture success. We're trying to do things on our own, and that is not uh, God's goal in our lives. Okay? And so do doctrine is not just a bunch of dry um, uh, theological uh, laws or rules or, 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 or a list of do's and don'ts. What we believe to be true about God and what we believe to be true about doctrine and what we believe uh, to be true about the word of God and that it's preserved and that um, uh, Jesus Christ is God, the deity of Christ, and the blood atonement is efficacious for everybody. What we believe about these cardinal key truths really changes everything. It doesn't just change, um, you know, uh, whether or not you feel good or feel happy because feelings change, hey? Happiness depends on what happens, but joy comes from Jesus Christ. And, and, and we've all heard of, you know, uh, the word happening. To hap upon something is to, uh, to, to perchance upon something. You know, it just kind of, happiness sometimes takes you by surprise. You just, wow, I'm, I'm happy. So, some, some circumstances happened in my life, and I've happened upon happiness. Happiness depends on what happens, but in spite of the difficult circumstances in our life, we can realize, hey, God's given me joy. Jesus and others in you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others in you, it's a truth for each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others we see face to face. Y is for you. And in all that you do, put yourself third and spell joy. Amen. Hey, Jesus has got to be first. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And we get distracted by clothes, by money, by fame, by cars, by land, by people, by, by, by possessions and things and ideas. When Jesus says, hey, I'm enough. Our sufficiency is of God. And this is the good doctrine that we must adhere to and stay to. You, you get distracted by the peripheral. As Pastor Johnny Pope has said in the past, hey, you've got to look to Jesus. Jesus never let you down. You can look to man. You can look to woman. Men and women, they'll let you down. Jesus will never let you down. So look to Jesus. Thou art good and always good. He cannot do otherwise. Thou art good and doest good. He cannot do otherwise. And so uh, remember, hear ye children the instruction of a father. Attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. I believe we've seen countless young adults that turn away from the truth. And um, we see in Proverbs chapter number four, uh, this father that is saying, hey, I've given you this truth not to harm you, but to help you. And so uh, let, me, let me just encourage uh, young adults or teenagers, or, or maybe you consider yourself a young adult, okay? Uh, a lot of the advice that you've been given, it's to help you. And, and so uh, in the same way that, that Solomon was giving advice to his princely son, he was, he was saying, hey, listen to me. I'm giving you good counsel. I'm giving you good advice. But if you don't listen and you do your own thing, I'm going to warn you about the consequences too, and they are going to hurt. So don't, don't go the wrong way. Go the right way. And when I talk about laws, I'm not necessarily talking about, or, or, or doctrine, I'm not necessarily talking about the ceremonial laws. The law of God is not all legalistic or ceremonial, and I believe uh, some of it was applicable to a previous dispensation, but we're not speaking tonight about sacrifices in Leviticus or the, what robes were worn by the priests in ancient Israel. Uh, the word law in the Bible most often refers to principles that our lives must be governed by, not a list of do's and don'ts. And so uh, I just want to help you remember as an aside, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments, keep my law. There are some principles that God uh, is, is absolutely emphatic on. John 13, 34, 35, as we uh, remember this, the greatest commandment or the greatest law is the love of God and a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one toward another. How's the lost world going to know Jesus? Not by our standards, not by our music, not by the way we talk, not by our words or our style of worship. It's going to be by the love that we have one to another. Is it Christ-like? Is it righteous? Is it holy? Is it focused on the Lord? Hey, this world has a different doctrine. This world does not even believe in boy and girl. This world is casting off what God said in his word. Male and female created he them. This world is confused, but God is not the author of confusion. Any strong church, any strong home uh, must be led by the Lord. Any church that is spirit-filled and led by the Lord is not going to be led by a great uh, lead guitar pl player, but he's going to be led by a pastor uh, that is uh, putting the Lord Jesus Christ first and, and saying, hey, be you followers of me as I am of Christ. The Lord enables 
preachers to speak the truth in love. And so pray for your pastor. Pray for the people who are preaching God's word, not just me. I covet your prayers, but uh, if you'd pray for Brother Kevin, I'd appreciate that. But uh, be praying for uh, Caleb as he preaches. Be praying uh, for uh, Pastor Tyler as he preaches and Brother Arbo as they continue to uh, take up uh, the mantle, if, so to speak, and, and, and preach a little bit uh, more in the days ahead. Uh, we we want to partner with them in prayer. Let me read this for you. First John chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from, of us, uh, they went out from us, uh, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you, ye, you all, have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Hey, this is, this is one of my favorite verses uh, regarding this topic on doctrine. John wrote to the believers, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. I have not written to you because you don't, you don't know the truth. You don't know the facts about the Bible. I'm writing to you because you already know good doctrine. You, you, you already know the truth. You already know how to act, what to say, um, you, know, you know, three to thrive and do this and do that and check every Christian box and uh, dot every Christian I and cross every Christian T. You know what to do. Uh, you've been in church for five years or ten years or whatever. You know what to do. Yeah, you know what to do, but are you doing it? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Have faith in God. And Jesus himself, uh, through, through, through John, the, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And so uh, we, can say, we can say, hey, Jesus is telling the people there uh, in 1 John, hey, listen, all of you, hey, church, I'm writing to you not because you don't know what I'm talking about, not because this is new to you, but because you know it. You already know it. Mark Twain has been paraphrased so many times for saying something like this. He died in the year 1910, and the most earliest recording of this quote was around 1915. He wrote something, or said something, and someone wrote after him. Five years after he passed away, I'm going to paraphrase the paraphrase, but he said, it's not what I don't know about the Bible that scares me, but the stuff that I already know about the Bible to be true, but don't do it. Hey, Christian, be careful. Be careful. If you know to do good, and you do it not, to him it is sin. And there's the sins of commission, the ones that we do, and, and we know we shouldn't be doing them. And there's also the sin of omission, right, where we know we're supposed to witness to that person. You know, I'm all for handing out gospel tracts and inviting people to church, but how about inviting people to Christ? I'm all for sharing tracts, but what about sharing the truth? Sometimes we'll just, we'll just hand out a tract and be like, all right, God bless you, this is for you. If they don't want to talk, I get it, you know? But if you see an opportunity... And God has helped your tongue a little bit, has allowed you to speak the truth in love. You better open that mouth. And you better tell that person, speak the truth in love. And you, you know what I love about Scripture? It says some wonderful things. And one thing I always remember, it says, be ready to give an answer. It doesn't say give an answer. It says be ready. And sometimes that coworker, they'll see you over and over again. Sometimes you'll have opportunities to speak. Sometimes you won't. When those opportunities you have to speak, you better speak. But those opportunities where you're not supposed to speak, you're still ready. You're still ready for any questions that they may have. 
like, can God die? You know, um, if God is true, why do bad things happen to good people? Hey, you'll still be ready. You'll still be ready. But you don't have to argue. You don't have to pontificate on every single point. You don't got to debate all the time. You got to pick your battles. Jesus didn't cast his pearls before swine. Neither should we. But we're still going to speak the truth in love. We're still going to speak the truth in love. And we're going to live a life. I'm not advocating lifestyle evangelism. We've heard that term in, in, in the past. I'm all, for, I'm all for living a life that is spiritual and right. But it starts with the doctrine. And that's why it was the first thing mentioned in Acts chapter number 2, verse 42. Doctrine was the first thing. It wasn't prayer. It wasn't fellowship. It wasn't even breaking of bread, bless God. It was, it was hey, we are going to meet to study God's word. Why? Because God has truth for all of us. Now, we understand truth will set us free. First, must make us miserable. But after we've been miserable a bit and God's worked on us, he can really cleanse us and clean us up and allow us to be equipped as we go out into the world. Christ is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We know that a church is not the building. We know that the church is the body of Christ and its members. And we need to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Just a few more uh, parenthetical and closing thoughts tonight. Uh, the church is built on Christ, no other individual, and together we are the church. We are fully 100% reliant on him. As God's institution here, right now, he, not us, he must thunder the truth of the word of God through the people of God, and we are his people. Keep that in mind. We're speaking the truth in love. There is a difference. There is a difference. Watch, please. There is a difference between a crowd and a church. There's a difference between a crowd and a church. I've already said a church is a local called-out assembly of born-again, saved believers. And uh, if I can just say we're baptized by immersion, uh, believers that are saved should join themselves to the disciples, Acts 9.26. And, hey, we agree on doctrine. We agree on doctrine. I, I think of Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the church at Ephesus and uh, Laodicea. Uh, you got the church at uh, Sardis. Hey, we're at the church at Burnaby. And we agree on doctrine. Don't get discouraged because we are small. Little is much when God is in it. Zechariah 4.10, who hath despised the day of small things, for they shall rejoice. Our goal is not growth. Our goal is God. So we must stay true. I got off the phone with my good friend, Pastor David Tice, fairly recently, and he told me, that God might like smaller churches more than big churches because he has a lot more smaller churches than big ones. And I like that. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. The church of the living God must be unified. We are unified, but especially on Bible truths, and the most important of which is the gospel. So remember the gospel. Remember how it changed your life. If you let your emotions run your life, you'll ruin your life. Don't measure your, your, your success by how much happiness you have and stop rooting your joy in what you can see and start rooting your joy in the eternal salvation that you have in Jesus. Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
Our joy is rooted in, in the fact that we are loved by God. We're never going to hell. And we all deserve hell. But God loves us. And we've put our faith in him. You belong to Jesus. And that's enough. We must be concerned about the wickedness out there, yes. We love to sit in meetings and talk about the sin out there, right? We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. But instead of criticizing and whining, we should be more concerned about the wickedness in our own hearts. We've never had a spiritual awakening talking about how bad the sinners are out there. Philippians 3, verse 2. Good work and bad work is evil work if it's separated from Jesus. There's none good. There's none righteousness. Uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good. Religious flesh can be the most dangerous, the most deceptive, and the most destructive of all because it dresses up for church and uses religious cliches and church jargon. But if you separate anything from Jesus, it's all evil. Beware of those who add to the doctrine of the grace of God. Have your eyes open. The devil is seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't take much room for a snake to slither in, so guard the garden of your heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We must have no confidence in the flesh. There's an individual uh, preacher who wrote The Calvary Road. You may know his name. His name is Roy Hessian. And he's quoted as saying, when Jesus is enough, then you will have your revival. When Jesus is enough, then you will have your revival. Remember the sufficiency of Jesus, this doctrine, this good doctrine. You can't prop it up and dress it up. God needs to uncase and remove everything that we have confidence in so that we're leaning only on Jesus. Only when we have the same faith, the same pursuit uh, to know Christ and to be like him, uh, we can really uh, have this growth in our lives. We need the Lord. Where is the power of the Lord? It's found in his spirit. It's found in his word. And so let's stop chasing the applause of men and caring and wondering what everyone else is going to say, what everyone else is going to think. We must consider what does God know and what will Jesus say when you kneel at his nail-pierced feet someday? Consider the pursuit of Christ. Pursue the one who is always pursuing us. We must have the same obedience, the same rule, mind the same thing, obey the same truth that we know. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Paul wrote to Timothy, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Consider this, take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. We're all composites of the people who pointed us to Jesus. Lots of people have invested in you. Lots of people have invested in me. And so let me encourage you, let, let me encourage all of us to invest 
in, in the next generation and do this for uh, a generation who is coming along beyond and beside us. We need to be true to our dying breath to the same things, to good doctrine. And remember, doctrine is what unites us in the Lord. Good doctrine, good doctrine. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of the Bible today. I pray that we continue in the things which we have learned. I pray that we would also commit these to faithful men. Lord, I uh, pray that you would just encourage us um, and help us to remember that doctrine is the glue that holds us together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.